0: May fourth, two thousand twenty-three. We're in Masechet and If you count down, about fourteen lines. First word on the line: Amar. Amar Amarav Eruvet That's what we left off with the conversation about this yesterday. eruvet Tavshili needs to have intent and mindset with regards to setting it up, preparing it. Peshita, the following is simple. Da'at maniah ba'inan. Ba'inan, ba'in means sarikh, anan means us. We need. It's necessary in order for the Shilim to be effective, that there be a mindset, there be an understanding of what the person is doing. So you're setting up, you're preparing food that will be used potentially on Shabbat as the beginning of my meal for Shabbat, right before Yom Tov. The question, however, says the Gemara is, Da'at lo ba'inan, is it necessary as well, the person for whom it's being prepared, meaning the person that will benefit from it, the family members, the other, the other families that might be enjoying the food that was prepared, or those who are using the iruv tafshilin in order to prepare on Yom Tov, do they as well need to have that mindset, do they as well need to be locked into this? Well, as we mentioned yesterday, Nathan pointed out, generally speaking, when we're dealing with being mosi another person, um, well, they need to have intent and you need to have intent. For example, if I'm going to say kiddush for you, if I'm going to uh, do a mitzvah hatiluya bedibur, I need to be thinking that I'm going to fulfill it for you and you need to be thinking that you'll fulfill it through me. That's where I'm being mosi another in a mitzvah. That's where I'm fulfilling a mitzvah to a certain extent, a classic example of I want to be motzi another person. Question to a certain extent is this similar to that? It's not per se because of the speech, but even if I fulfill a mitzvah for you, I need to have intent. Alternatively, generally speaking, when we talk about a zikhot for a person, when we refer to uh, acquiring something for another person, we have a principle, zakhim adam shelo bifanav, which means to say, if I see an opportunity for you, and I go ahead and I seize it, and I have you in mind, even though you don't know about it, uh, it's yours. Well, that being the case, maybe you shouldn't need the da'at of Nishihini Hulo. Fundamentally, though, what really underlies this, as the mefarshim of the Gemara suggests, is that the whole purpose of the Iruv Tavshilin is a mindset. It's that I realize that before Yom Tov, I had something set up for Shabbat. We saw two reasons mentioned in Daftet Vava Mudbit, so that I'll have an appropriate meal on Shabbat, and so that I won't, cut, I won't prepare from Yom Tov on to home. I need to understand what's taking place, don't I? I So he doesn't know, so he won't cook. That's the point. The point is, as Nathan says, you shouldn't, at a simple level, say that this is zakhin adam shalom bifanam. The whole point in zakhin is you would want this anyway. The whole point over here by Eiluf Tavshilin is that you know what the reality is, that you prepare the food for Shabbat, is that you realize that you're not preparing for hol. As a result, by the very definition of not knowing, it should defy it and yet and yet against each of those logics and understandings that we set forth, the rabbis were lenient, we'll see in a moment with regard to Ayruf tafshilim. that and indeed it does. In other words, Jeffrey says ultimately speaking, we're dealing with the rabbis making a restriction because of their fear that their fear that you won't have the right food on Shabbat, their fear that you'll prepare for hol. It's a gezerah mid it's a takana, which the rabbi set forth because of those fears, but at the expense of losing food on Shabbat, it's for that reason they will be lenient, even though it to a certain extent defies their life. What's that? Go, Shabbat, the Gemaraim Pesachim Nice But the Gemaraim Pesachim It says that everyone Both of Bili Iza and Biyoshua Agree That Shabbat because of Onig Is Lachem as well Yes Mars? A hundred percent In other words Morris Morris makes clear that the logic that we've been discussing is very clearly the la There's no question if the whole purpose of E'lub Tavshilin is that I know, is that I be aware because of one of two reasons, well, ultimately speaking, I should know. It's only Avad, it's after the fact. If the Gemara will tell us, there isn't da'at mi yah uh, bishvilo, then you fulfill it. So there is a leniency, midr Banan, on their own halakha. But yes, ideally, very clearly, if the whole purpose over here is that you have the knowledge, then you should have that knowledge. Apparently, not so simple for him, he was the rabbi at the time, so it's very Um, possible. It's very possible, there wasn't someone doing it for him, but good point. Says the (laughs) Gemara Tashema, we can derive from the following three stories that the clear implication of a hachamim by Eruv Tavshilin is that you do not need Da'at Mishahini Hulod, Avuhadi Shmuel, the father of Shmuel, Me'areb, he would make Eruv Tavshilin, Akula on the entirety of Neharda'ah, that's the name of the city that he lived in, in, which means to say, even though the people didn't per se have in mind that they would fulfill Eruv Tavshilin with Abu Hadish Shmuel, his mindset was sufficient. Rabbi and Rabbi Ase, who dwelled, who lived in Tiveria, they would set up and prepare Eruv Tavshilin with the mindset of everyone, as we mentioned yesterday, Rosh. Quoted in turn by by Shohan Aruch, understands that the way in which the rabbi, the individual, can do this for all others is through a zikia al yede acher. It means my neighbor comes over, I do the eruv tavshilin, and he's makneh. He makes a kinyan. He makes a halachic acquisition. To include the entirety of, of Brooklyn and its uh, surrounding areas. Along the same lines, a little bit more expansive, Rabbi Yaakov Bar eidi would declare, he would proclaim and announce on Yom Tov, a person who has uh, not set up, he forgot, not a problem, you can and may come and be be dependent upon mine, you can cook on Yom Tov for Shabbat. To what extent To what extent does the preparation of one individual, of the rabbi, of the leader of the community, how, how far is it reaching in terms of being sufficient for someone who didn't have a Auf Tafshilin? until what's called Tehum Shabbat, the 2,000 Amamah, 3,000 feet, outside of the dwelling area. Rashi, Vela Omidim Hutzla Tehum, Lo Haya daato Shilmania Halehem, Velo Alu al Bozochran. Rashi explains this Tehum Shabbat is not per se just an reality, it's rather getting into the mindset of the person who's preparing it. If I'm preparing it, who do I have in mind? I have in mind my peoples, the people who are closest to me. It might be very expensive, might be Borough Park included, and Mill Basin and so forth, but ultimately speaking, it's the people who are in a somewhat close proximity, at least I can describe them as being part of my dwelling area, my habitat, and I'll extend that to the home that surrounds it, but not beyond. Does that mean, however, based on Rashi, that if I or any other rabbi or any other person explicitly have the mindset, state it, or have it in mind, I'm doing this for her, beyond that it wouldn't be sufficient? No, Rashi is telling us seemingly clearly the whole purpose in saying tehum is that's the samda. That's the way the person, generally speaking, will be thinking. It's not to say that they can't do it beyond that. So I'm reading for you Rashi now to tell you Rashi's giving you the technical but he's telling you the technical can so to speak be overridden. It's only technical because that's what we say when I say to you where do you live you mean in your mind quickly uh, Brooklyn and a little bit outside of it. But if I say to you who do you have in mind for I don't know all the people in Brooklyn that's Brooklyn and 2000 I'm out. However if I say to you who do you have in mind you say you know something I was really thinking about all my friends in Queens and in Far Rockaway and in with that all right, it would extend. That's what it appears from Rashi. It'll come into account in just a moment, uh, this diuk that we're making, in the following context. Hahu What's that? Yes. Yes. Yes, but it's not, that's not, again, the reason we're mentioning tehum is not per se because of, I don't think, forbidden movement. It's because Tehum is like the place, it's like the suburbs of the city. So I don't not, nobody's living there per se, but it's the surrounding area which is included in the mindset. Maybe it is because of the Halakha, but it doesn't need to apply on Yom Tov, although it does. Says the Gemara it happened, there was a blind person. Havam sadir matnita kameh demor Shemuel. He would review and organize, obviously by heart, a Mishnayot in front of Morshimuel. He was blind. He would get in front of him. He would recite the Mishnayot. Morshemuel would explain them to him. Maybe make corrections. Keep in mind, it was for most Torah to begin with. There wasn't really texts that they were reading from. So a blind person wasn't per se at a disadvantage. But the story as it is, is he happened to have been blind, and he's speaking to Morshimuel on a consistent basis in Mishnayot. Hazieh on a holiday once. Morshemuel saw that this blind man the. He seemed sad. His face was dropped, and maybe his eyes were swollen. Amar asivat. Mor Shemuel says to the Samya He says, "Why is it that you're sad?" Amar de la otivi eruvet tavshilin because I didn't prepare. I didn't set up As a result, we can't have good food for Shabbat. We can't prepare. It's all going to be leftovers. Maybe it's going to spoil. Whatever the point is, I won't have appropriate food for Shabbat. Amar le semoch adidi. Uh, says Mor uh, Shemuel says to him, uh, you can be dependent upon my own. Didi means my own. Didi means al sheli. Semoch means to lean on. You can lean on, you can depend on that which I set up. Oh, that's directly consistent to what we read earlier. Even though... You don't have. The blind person didn't have that in mind as he entered Yom Tov. Nonetheless, since Moshe had a general thought for everyone included, this individual can depend on it. The next year, the next year, Again, it's the holiday. What's, what's disturbing you this time, says Moshe Moel to him. He looks sad again. Is this uh, some sort of existential crisis you have on the holidays? He says, why are you sad this time? I have to be honest with you, says the blind man to Moshe Moel. Again, I forgot my Eruv Tavshilin and maybe expecting maybe hoping Mosheweil will console him again Amarle, Mosheweil this time comes down harshly Poshi'at, you are a negligent one 2 years didn't bring didn't set up the eruv tafshilin not for you my eruv tafshilin this time lechule alma share share means mutar, it's permitted for so to speak the whole world everyone i had in mind they can eat didach for you who was negligent asur It's not permitted. You (laughs) may not have the (laughs) iruv tavshilif. The Gemara says lishana. It's certainly not the same year. It doesn't need to be the direct second year right afterwards. Not clear, there is a debate in poskim. (laughs) Shohanaruch is poshek lahalacha this way, that if a person once depended upon the iruv of the rabbi of of another individual, they cannot, again, because they're considered a 'a. Uh, poshe'ah. so I will remind you, and I think it's where Nathan's taking us, is that it has to do specifically, as we read in Rashi a moment ago, with regards to the tehum, it has to do with the da'at, the mindset of the person who's leaving it. Mor made clear over here, my mindset was not for you again. You're a posher. You're negligent. As a result, and Rashi writes this again, importantly. Rashi writes, asur, My mindset is not for the people who are negligent and don't care enough and appropriately about the rabbis' words. Apparently not. And more Shimuel but. but the guy is deciding all the Mishdanyol, right? the guy who knows his stuff, right? And he made a mistake, right? So he said, you know better. I'm not covering you. You know better. I made a mistake. Okay, man, now this is the second time. Everybody, the amara the, the Amar, the, the, the regular, the, they cover every single year. That's what it is. Nice, Mars. You know, nice. nice. Morris, Morris, Morris is medayek from the fact that we're reading that this is someone who consistently was learning with Mor That's why Mor Shemuel is teaching him a lesson. Rashi doesn't really explain it as such, but I like your interpretation because you're taking into account what seems like unnecessary details in the Gemara. Again, the common denominator between you and Rashi, though, Morris is that it has to do with the mindset of Mor Shemuel. Mor is saying to this man... The fact that this is take two, either because I expected more of you, or in general, a person who makes this mistake twice, my mindset wasn't on you. I questioned just briefly, based on the conversation we had five minutes ago, what would be if the Rav what would be if Moshe and had said, I'm a little bit more liberal in my understanding of people. I, uh, I don't expect so much. And as a result, even if you're a poshea, I have in mind, is this, so to speak, a rabbinic statement to us that it can't work twice, that the rabbi t- stated when the person prepares it, he has in mind, and must have in mind, only a person who's a first-time transgressor, violator, or even if... Uh, the mindset, or, or, or alternatively, if the mindset is more expansive, more forgiving, then it could work. So, from our Gemara, we don't have proof. Your argument, Rashid's seeming argument, is it could work. If I have in mind, listen, you know, I love Mars, but I know, I, I got gotcha. you. For this guy, I understand. But, but Morris, what I'm telling you is it's dependent, ultimately speaking, your words were more Shemuel says, I expected more from you. It has to do with the mindset of the person who did it. Yeah, Charles. He didn't make that clear to him initially. He could be thinking, with the violent thinking, okay, they're gonna molest you, go And, and Moshe-Muel's and teaching him a lesson. In his book, on, on page Resh Sadi he makes the following claim. He's quoting from those who preceded him. Although Shulhan does seem to clearly state that if you're more than a one time transgressor violator, you can't depend on the Eruv of the Ravayir. Too late. You messed up your opportunity. You got one at, one get out of jail free. What's that? So you would, or, or you'd have to get invited, or you know, it's, it's on the round by then. It says Hachamov Adiy Yosef, don't know, don't know. Says Hachamov Adiy Yosef, Umi Kol Makom. However, bizman Haze Kavanat Harav HaMe'arev Giruvet The mindset we assume should be and is of the rabbi, the Rav who sets up the Eruv Tavshilin, tavshilin, The mindset today is a little bit more forgiving, the same way we're maybe a little less strict on our students and our our children, and so too the rabbi should be a little less strict on, and, and as a result the mindset is different. So the statement in turn is la Again, I'm I'm trying to bring it forth from you how, how we got to this. Although the Gemara does tell us a story in which Moshe is unforgiven. Although the Gemara, although Shulchan copies this almost as if this is the reality. The understanding is if you get into the logic over here, Rashi is telling us it had everything to do with the mindset of the person. If the mindset is alternatively a little bit more forgiving, not that we're encouraging negligence, but alternatively that we're forgiving about the negligence and there's different ways to bring people in and make them remember than it could and would even today. Briefly, Rashi on the left-hand side in Dibura Mathil Lishana writes something that if you don't have context might be a little bit hard to understand. Rashi writes Lishana Lishana Aharet. First and foremost, Rashi writes explicitly, it was another year, which is interesting. But then he says, (laughs) Rashi makes clear that we're dealing with Rosh Hashanah. He says you wouldn't be able to place it and make a condition. What's Rashi referring to? Rashi is referring to the Gemara which is coming up on Daf Yod Zion. On Daf Yod the Gemara says there's potential that what you can do is if you're on the first day of Yom Tob and you have not yet put your eruv tafshilin, you can put it then and you make a condition. You say, listen, it's a two-day Yom Tov. So if today is a weekday and tomorrow is is, is Yom Tov because there's two days, it's a safik. So then I'm putting eruv tavshilin on a weekday. If today is a is, is a holiday and tomorrow is a weekday, then I don't need eruv tavshilin, and then you can cook the next day. Why didn't this blind person do that? Mor Shemuel and this and this blind blind person are living outside of Eretz Yisrael. They're Yom Tov sheni, so he's getting all nervous. Say, so just wait until tomorrow. Says Rashi, it must have been Rosh Rosh Hashanah, Rosh Hashanah, there's no such thing as it's either today or tomorrow. Rosh Hashanah, they're both, and as a result, there would be no condition. Alternatively, Ran says it could be that it wasn't Rosh Hashanah, but it was already second day. If it's already second day, there's no conditions any longer. It's too late. It's either a weekday or it's a holiday. If it's a holiday, you don't have an either way you explain it, he was stuck in a bind, this blind individual, and had to depend on more Shemuel, and more Shemuel determined, says Morris, because he should have known better, say the Mephashim general rashid because we all should know better that not i was not leaving it for you don't make this mistake more than once okay says the gemara onward tanura banan Tanur Yom Shabbat in a circumstance where Yom Tov is on the eve of Shabbat and as a result he's getting nervous about Shabbat now again what we've been talking about throughout Now neuropatic is one thing called an eruv tafshilin now that word eruv where we have a msechet called msechet eruvin it's in plural there are other types of eruvin that are appropriate and necessary for Shabbat. Uh, what sort of Eruvin might we be talking about aside from Eruv Tavshilin? There's something called an Eruv Tehumin and there's something else that's relevant to us right now called an Eruv Haserot. Briefly what they are, and then in the Gemara, discussion of them. And Eruv Tehumin goes as follows. The Torah in Shemot Perek Zayin says that a person should not leave their dwelling place on Shabbat what does that mean, I can't go outside? Well, the hachamim explained, you could go outside, but you can only go out of the inhabited area, the residential area, 2,000 ama, 3,000 feet. Nothing to do with carrying, everything to do with traveling. You may not travel outside of the inhabited area more than 3,000 feet. However, there's a way of dealing with this. I really need to. I have to get to the hospital, I have to travel, and so on and so forth. What you can do is, before Shabbat, you go into the tomb. you go into that 2,000 Amah, go all the way to the edge of it, if that's what you want to do, and place uh, food for meals over there, for two meals over there. Leave it over there. Then you could go back home and enjoy the rest of Shabbat, and the next day you'll go and you can carry, not you can carry yourself, you can walk from there 2,000 Amah further. So again, this is where I live. This is Brooklyn, and here's the tehum that surrounds it. What I can do is I need to get to, let's say, to the east. I need to go four thousand I out. I need to go to a bunch of uh, a, a, a long distance out of there. What I can do is before Shabbat, I find my way to the edge of the tehum on the eastern uh, eastern side, and I leave food for two meals. I'm kind of saying this is where I am for Shabbat with quotation marks, and then. And that no, and then from there I have an extra two thousand amma because I'm establishing that as my place of dwelling. East or north or south. What's that? I can make it in any of the directions. I made up east over here. It's for yourself. No, no, yeah. So Why not? Put it in a put it in a home there. Put it tehumin is tehumin is a lot more complicated <laughs> for us today. Yeah, you're not you not per se eating it. It's just establishing. Uh, that's called <laughs> the eruv <inaudible> tehumin. The other thing that we talk that we're talking about in this context is what's called the eruv <inaudible> Haserot. This has to do with carrying. Uh, but what sort of carrying? Uh, so the example that uh, that, uh, that 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 we're dealing with is the following: is you have several. Um, several homes open to a haser, open to one shared courtyard. Uh, what do we mean by a courtyard? Uh, not a great example, it's the best I have. Uh, um, east 5th, uh, over here, right off of Avenue U, behind Fujihana, there's like an alley of sorts. It's not exactly this, but it's along the lines. Imagine that was all closed off, just opened on one side. I don't even know if that is the case, to Avenue U. So it's closed on the other hand. So it's kind of a, it's a dead end, cul-de-sac of sorts, but not real right? It's a dead end on one end, and then you have a lot of homes that open into that. Technically speaking, from the Torah, I can carry from my home into that middle area. That middle area is considered a shuuteh It's a private domain, my home is a private domain, I'm just sharing that middle area together with my neighbors across the street and down the road, but that's our middle area, the hachamim felt that that was dangerous. It's a middle area which is shared by people, it seems like a public domain, looks like a Roshutarabim. why would you distinguish between that and uh, some other place, Avenue U, Ocean Parkway, whatever. As a result, what the rabbi said is, in order to make this better, so that the mindset of the people is not mistaking this middle area with a public domain or with a Roshutarabim is that every person from this shared area should take a a food uh, item and put it in one home. And we put that all together, we call that an eruv haserot, and as a result, we're all living in that person's home where the food is. Why? Because we left the food, and you can do so for a long period of time. You don't need to do it every Shabbat. That's called eruv haserot. So here's our circumstance. It's Yom Tov. And it's Ayediv Shabbat, and you realize you need, you left neither an Ayediv Tehomin, which apparently was necessary. You need to get far out of the city, and you don't have that, or or and you don't have an Ayediv Hasirot. You want to be able to carry, not about walking this time, carry into that middle area. What are you to do? Are you allowed to do this on Yom Tov? For Shabbat, that's the issue here. So says the Gemara of here, Tanura Yom Tob Shahaliot the Shabbat, En Me'arevin. You may not on Yom Tob set forth the Eruv, irub. Lo Eruve Tehumin, The Lo Haserot. Both of these Eruvin are forbidden to prepare on Shabbat, the second of which eruv Haserot, Rashi explains is, the reason why it's forbidden is Setting up an Eruv Haserot on Yom Tov for Shabbat seems as if you're fixing something. You are fixing something. You're not fixing something physical, but you are fixing something inappropriate Yom Tov activity. Eruv Tehumin, the Gemara elsewhere seems to say it's a problem of preparation for after Yom Tov. You can't be preparing for after Yom Tov. Both of them are forbidden, says the Gemara. Rabbi Omer, Rabbi disagrees. He says, one is permitted, the other one's forbidden. Again, I'm on Yom Tov, looking ahead to Shabbat. Uli, we forgot to put our Eluvin. Honey, I left the Shilin. not the Eluvin. What about... No. No, you need the to mindset. set it up in a home. You need everyone needs to set it up in a home and the mindset of such. No. So it's, it's a good question. Rabbi omer, eruveh haserot, lo eruve Interestingly, Rabbi says you're allowed to set forth their haserot, so you could all take your food and leave it in one person's home and as a result share that middle courtyard area, but you're not allowed to now go to the end of the home and set up your food so that on Shabbat, that's your dwelling place in a certain respect. Why not? What's the difference between the two? Shouldn't they both be problematic? The logic, the reasoning of rabbi is, the permitted and forbidden, Um, activity on Yom Tov will be defined by what could be permitted to do on Yom Tov and what is forbidden to do on Yom Tov. What do I mean by that? Those are his words. You can forbid the forbidden, you can permit the permitted. Well, it goes like this. Jesse a few minutes ago asked, is the law of Tehumin, the Isur of Tehumin, that Pasuk in the Torah, Shemot Perek Tetzain, that you can't go 2000 Amah outside of the dwelling area. Is that, rele- is that relevant on Shabbat alone or on Shabbat and Yom Tov? The answer is on both Shabbat and Yom Tob. The Gemara Iruvin and Daflamit Ha'ik makes that clear to us. As a result, since the Tehum is an issue for you on Yom Tov, just as it is on Shabbat, you can't now on Yom Tov go into the tomb and say, well, I'm fixing something for tomorrow, this is forbidden today. You're not fixing, you're fixing something which is forbidden today. You can't fix something when you're in the midst of its brokenness. It's already broken. It's asur for you to be carrying beyond that area tonight, to carry, walk outside of that area today. As a result, that's forbidden. Eruv hazerot in contrast. Well, we all know it. We even learned it together on yod Bet. When it comes to Yom Tov, we're matir hotza'ah. When it comes to Yom Tov, it's permitted to carry from one domain into another domain. It was the opinion of Beit Hilel hutra'a le'ochet <impranches> och nefesh, hutra'a lechol davar, that was the mitoch. The idea was that since the Torah permits cooking in order to enjoy on Yom Tov, so too other melachot on Yom Tov are permitted. As a result, even if you don't have an iruv haserot. even if you don't have any eruv, you're permitted to carry on Yom Tov. Therefore, am I in this moment, so to speak, chained up with regards to carrying? Absolutely not, it's permitted for me to carry. It's Yom Tov, it's not Shabbat. I can prepare as a result, I can prepare yeah. as a result, one second, I can prepare, good question. I can prepare as a result as well, my eruv haserot. That's the distinction of rabbi. Jesse asks, he says, well, if that's the case, why should eruv tafshilin not be permitted to do on Yom Tov? The whole point of eruv tafshilin, I'll remind you, is that it not be on Yom Tov. The whole point was that I have in mind that I'm going to not get mixed up with my Yom Tov and I'll be focused on Shabbat and as a result, the whole purpose is that it be done beforehand. That was the whole mindset of the rabbis. These, is not a purpose per se, it be done in such a fashion, not on Yom Tov. These just have to be done. That's the distinction of Rabbi. So Rabbi, according to this rendition, is lenient. He permits eruveh Hasero, to be done on Yom Tov for Shabbat, but not Eluvei Tehumin. Says the Gemara Itmar. We have a statement with regards to these two opinions. The opinion of Hachamim, who forbade, Apparently, it's not considered Mittakin because it's not broken. You know, it's in this moment, it's not broken. So what are you doing? I'm just doing, uh, I'm just putting some food there. No, but isn't, I you not allowed, I'm allowed to right now. That's exactly the point of Rabbi. Itmar, we have a statement with regards to these two, these two opinions. Rav amar halakha ketanakama. Rav. Take the took the seemingly more stringent opinion, and he said that on Yom Tov, which is going into Shabbat, you may not prepare neither eruv tehumin nor eruv haserot. Shmuel Amar statement alternatively is the halachas like the second opinion, ribi, seemingly the more lenient opinion. Says the Gemara iba We had a question with regards to that statement of Shmuel. Shmuel said halachas like ribi, Halakha kiri lekula or lechumra. When he said that the halachas like ربي, he meant it in a stringent fashion or in a lenient pa- fashion? Oh, one second, what are you talking about? Rabbi was the lenient one. Rabbi was the one who said, Something's permitted, you're allowed to do Eruv on How could you imagine that? What's the stringency over here? Hakamim Tanaka said, Everything's forbidden, it's Yom Tov, you're going into Shabbat, you can't do any of that activity. So you lost your opportunity. Rabbi is the one who was lenient. So now, one second, was it being stringent or was he being lenient? What are you talking He was lenient. Says, After all we know it's simple Ribi's statement was a leniency. He permitted Eruf Haserot in a way that Tanakh Amad Hachamim did not. Answers the Gemara, I'll tell you why we're questioning this because there are two versions, would you know it, with regards to what Rabbi said. In other words, we just read two opinions. One opinion was A and B, Eruv Tehumin and Eruv Haserot, forbidden. And the other one said A is permitted, B is forbidden, one is permitted, one is forbidden. That's what we saw. What are the names on each of those? What we just read was hachamim, are the hard line, Ribbi is the lenient one. You should know there's another, there's another tradition. The other tradition has it in the opposite way. It has it that the hachamim are somewhat permitting, they permit eruv chaserot, and Ribbi is the one who forbade both. Says the Gemara, when Shimuel said halakha is like ribi, which version did he have? Well, that's what we're dealing with. It says the Gemara, Mishum Lo Shonim because after all, we have a statement of Rabbi Elazar. He says the way your version in Bavail went like this, it'd be Matir V'Hachamim Mosrin. That's the wrong version. Our tradition is different. It's not that uh, Rabbi was the lenient one and Chachamim were the stringent one. Rather, Ela, oseh chachamim matirin. we had a different version. Our version is the opposite. Is Rabbi is the stringent opinion. He's the Mahmir who says they're both forbidden and Chachamim permit. My, so then ultimately speaking, what is the halacha? How do we go on this matter? We're going to go like Chachamim. What did Chachamim say in short? Oh, sorry, I understand. The, fasc- the fascinating thing is that the final line will be, um, if you look at the very top of Daf <laughs> Yodzai we'll have to read the interim uh, tomorrow, but the very top line of Daf Kirbi <laughs> So the punchline is we're not going like and we're going stringently, but the Gemara will have to prove that in the interim. Amen, amen.